Hey there. So I want to make super clear that this podcast is not intended to be medical advice. This is a place where we talk about things related to mental health. And although I am a mental health practitioner, when I am talking to the microphone, I am not looking at a human and making a diagnosis and a treatment plan. I'm not functioning like a psychologist making treatment recommendations. So if something that you hear on this podcast sounds interesting or, you know, something is talked about that sounds like it might be helpful to you, then absolutely get in touch with a clinician in your area who can help provide resources and very specific individualized to you recommendations because that is good healthcare, not just sort of hearing tidbits of information from a podcast and then going and, you know, manipulating your body's chemistry. That is true about any episode that we do, but it is especially true of today's episode. So I wanted to start by highlighting that because in today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about ketamine assisted psychotherapy. This is a new, new ish form of treatment for depression, for PTSD, for a variety of other mental health conditions that is uh, gaining popularity around the U.S. I'll speak specifically to that context because it is the context that I'm most familiar with. And I myself have recently been doing some training in how to administer ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So I'm thinking about it a lot, the pros, the cons, how it works, why we would do it. And so I thought I would talk about that a little bit on the podcast today. So buckle up, here we go. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. I want to begin the conversation by being very clear that I am extraordinarily cautious with my own body in terms of the kinds of substances and things that I would put in my body that would alter the chemistry of my brain or, you know, any part of me. And it's from this place of caution that I have become intrigued as a, as a scientist, as a clinician, in this not-so-new conversation about the use of psychedelics in mental health treatment. So there have been a few episodes where I've talked about this. I've interviewed Dr. Dan Engel a few times. I had Tucker Max on the podcast a while ago. So this is by no means the center point of my own professional work, but it is absolutely something that I'm watching because I do think that within the next few years that we will continue to see more and more integration of medicines into the process of psychotherapy. So medicines like MDMA, like psilocybin and ketamine. So ketamine is an interesting starting point because it is the one that is legal and fairly available and widely used as a supportive mechanism for psychotherapy process. 
Ketamine is a medicine that has been around a long time. In fact, if you've ever had surgery or have been under anesthesia, it's possible that you have had ketamine um, as part of the anesthetic process of, you know, putting you to sleep while you had your operation. Ketamine has been around a long time. We know a lot about what it does in the body. Um, It's also a drug that has been abused. Um, Special K, it has a bad reputation as uh, the date rape drug. What ketamine does that is so interesting, why it's, you know, used both as an anesthetic and then, of course, for these more nefarious, like terrible purposes, is it creates kind of a dissociative experience, an experience where someone is sort of leaving their body. And this is really useful in therapy because many of us use mild dissociation all the time. We kind of cut off parts of our sensory experience or we numb out to deal with even pretty normal stressors in our lives. Dissociation is a pretty natural, widely used defense mechanism against too much emotion or too much anxiety. And we can think about dissociation as sort of the the far side of the stress response. So for example, if you are thinking about an animal who is being pursued, let's use the, the classic example of the gazelle and the lion. The lion is chasing the gazelle. The gazelle runs, runs, runs. It's in a fight or flight, right? Definition, <laughs> run, 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 run. <laughs> If the lion were to strike the gazelle, maybe get a get a claw into its haunches, often an animal that's injured will play dead. It will just collapse and it will lay very, very still. And physiologically, it sort of looks like the animal systems are shutting down. It's sort of flooded with pain-relieving hormones. It's kind of practicing dying. And it does this because it's... It's so flooded with that stress response that it's like kind of too much. And so it shuts down and that's dissociation. And that happens all the time in humans. It's the freeze response. It's the be still, get quiet, detach, don't think about it. And it's effective, but not necessarily very productive or healthy. Most of us don't want to walk around in a dissociative or semi-dissociative state So one of the things that ketamine-assisted psychotherapy allows us to do is in the presence of a trusted clinician, so someone who is trained, someone who knows how to work with these states, someone who you have a therapeutic relationship with, we use ketamine to induce that dissociative sense. And then in the process, the client is talking through what they're experiencing in their body. One of the great errors of modern medicine was to kind of arbitrarily separate the body and the mind. We know that trauma gets stored in the body. We know that our hurts, our anxieties manifest in our muscles, in our bowels, in our overall sense of inflammation. So ketamine kind of alters our prefrontal cortex, that active thinking mind, turns it down a little bit so that we can move into this sort of more fragile dissociative state and then begin to really dial in to what's happening in the body. Where is their pain? Where is their activation? Where is their agitation? Where is their movement? And with the therapist, the client kind of talks through, explores, notices. So to be more specific, as part of 
you know, learning this method of working in psychotherapy, because it does, it sounds crazy. I totally get that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a drug person, whatever that means. But, you know, I'm not someone who parts easily with my intellectual mind. Um, that's a part of me that I really value that I use heavily rely on a lot. So I don't play fast and lose with that. And many, many of the people that I work with as entrepreneurs, physicians, like these are like driven leader, intellectually, cognitively actualized folks, big brains, as my kids might say. But over and over in the context of my work, I've recognized that the detachment between the mind and the body is creating lots of problems. I wanted to figure out how to integrate those two, to bring them together. So in the context of doing this training, I got to do some of my own ketamine-supported or ketamine-assisted psychotherapy work. And just to paint a picture of what it is like, ketamine lasts about an hour, maybe an hour and a half in your system, sort of depending on your body. And in these sessions, there's often a pre-session or you do it in sort of a long three-hour block, but you're working with your clinician. Um, in this case, I worked with a psychiatrist. And you spend some time really kind of establishing that relationship. And then you take the ketamine, which in this case is, is a dissolvable lozenge. Um, ketamine can also be administered in a couple of different ways. So depending on the treatment program that you're in. So as I begin to have the substance on board in my own experience, there's a little bit of a hallucinogenic quality. Some people experience more of that than others. There's a sense of sort of colors and shapes, sometimes movement. But for me, my body like sort of flopped over to the side. So I went from sitting up straight to laying on my side. And I had a sense of being absorbed into the ground. And it wasn't pleasant. It was scary. It was like, get, I'm stuck in here. And I felt like I couldn't move. I felt like my body was cold and that I was kind of getting swallowed up into dirt and that there were, you know, plants growing over me. As I was talking this through with this clinician who was sitting with me, I really felt like I was dying and that my body was dissolving. And obviously, those of you who've listened to the podcast somewhat regularly know that I've had a, a lot of loss in my life in the last couple of years, both my dad and my brother. And so there's a lot of sort of grief still circling around in my body and my mind. And in this process, I was able to stop thinking about grief and I felt it in a different way. It's almost like my body was able to have an experience of that deep, deep sadness and loss. And even probably some of the fear or work around anticipating my own death now that these people who have been so close to me have died. So I would not have described this as a pleasant experience, but I would have described it as a really helpful experience. This was therapy and it was a healing journey in which my body sort of led the way to process a heaviness and a loss and a grief that I knew cognitively, like I can identify, yes, sad things have happened and I'm still in grief, but to feel it and move it through my cells in a new way, I think was only possible with a method like this. One of the things that I think is also very promising about this form of treatment is that it doesn't have to be years of psychotherapy, that, you know, people experience really significant healing in 
six sessions, maybe a few more. Of course, it depends a little bit on how ready you are for the work and the quality of the relationship and the competence of the clinician that you're working with. In this model, you're talking. Sometimes they use a ketamine infusion where people take a high dose of ketamine and usually that's uh, prescribed for treatment-resistant depression. And in that scenario, often you're just sort of you with the medicine and uh, you're a little bit more in that kind of pseudo-anesthetized state. The thing that I am really excited about is this way of pairing that dissociative experience with the ability to talk it through, to bring language into a place where the body and the mind are a little more separate, to kind of hover above your own self, if you will, and allow this more, I don't know if it's existential or metacognitive, but it's a sense of observing yourself being both within yourself in a deeper way, but also separate from yourself. These experiences are pretty profound for people. And they are absolutely not for everyone. Ketamine is really used to treat depression. More and more research is being done about things like eating disorders, OCD, certainly PTSD is on the list of of well-established clinical effectiveness. And these treatments are not for everyone. Ketamine does have a dark side. It is something that can become addictive if, you know, used over and over. Um, And it is something that I would only do with a really reputable, trusted clinician, because again, you're in this very kind of compromised, fragile state. And I think one of the challenges with a newer therapy is it's hard to find people who've been doing this a long time and really have a level of training and expertise that, that I would find trustworthy. So again, if this is something that piques your curiosity, please just be a very careful consumer of your psychological experience and make sure that you are finding a team, a center, a hospital that is really, really reputable and with people who are very thoughtful and compassionate about how to do this work well. There are no miracle cures when it comes to mental health, but we are also long overdue for some significant innovation. And from the initial rollout of this kind of work, it looks very promising that people can experience really significant gains in their mental well-being. They can experience an acceleration in the development of a therapeutic alliance or sort of the working relationship with a clinician. And it happens in a faster time frame. So essentially faster, more comprehensive and effective intervention that I think is pretty exciting. I will always be the scientific skeptic and I will always be really, really careful about how tools like this can be used and abused, whether it's the potential for addiction and misuse of the medicine itself, or it's the potential for unethical, unboundaried, poorly trained clinicians to potentially do harm to people who are in a really vulnerable state. So because I am exploring more generally this new field of how psychedelics can be involved in mental health care, I am actually working with a company in Canada called MindCare Health. The CEO is a good friend, Kelsey Ramston, who's been a guest on this show in the past. And I am working with them to put together a podcast called Mind Curious, in which we explore the benefits, the downsides, the potential uses of a number of different psychedelic compounds and innovative mental health treatment protocols. So if this piques your curiosity, then uh, feel free to 
check out that new project, which uh, should be launching here at the end of May. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.